Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our service. If you'd like to find your place in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and the title of the message is Having Godly Priorities in 2024. And I know we're well into this year already. It's already February, and, and, uh, but the Lord put this series on uh, my heart for our church, but for anyone that tunes in, and we welcome those that tune in online to listen to our messages. I trust they're a blessing to you, a help to you, an encouragement, but also a challenge. And uh, the, the first message in this series was uh, uh, about having, uh, the, the, having the right, pro not priorities, but having uh, the right uh, purpose, the right perspective, and then also making sure that we have the presence of God. And then tonight we're going to look at setting godly priorities, having godly priorities in our life. And that's so needed in the day that we're living in because everything demands our attention. There, that from the time that you wake up till you go to bed at night, and then a lot of times you go to bed thinking about what's going to happen the next day, everything you got to do, everything demands priority. And uh, may the Lord help us to have godly priorities in our life. And we need to be reminded of these things. And Paul, he's going to tell the Philippians, he said, it's safe for me to remind you of these things. And because it's, I'm telling you, you can just get going, going through the motions. For you know what, you don't have the right priorities in your life. And not priorities are going to honor the Lord. And, uh, but if you haven't had an opportunity to tune into these uh, Wednesday night messages uh, over the last month, I encourage you to do that. And one just kind of builds on the other. And, and we need God's help, that's for sure. We can't do this without Him. And the word priority or priorities is not found in the Bible. But there are plenty of commandments for us to make a priority in our life. The word priority means precedence in place or rank. In Colossians 1.18, uh, it says that in all things uh, he, he might have the preeminence. Christ demands a, a rank there. He, he demands uh, a place of preeminence. He ought to be our number one priority. Pleasing Him ought to be our number one priority in this life. And Christ deserves that place. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. And I'd like to just give you a few secular quotes, if you would, on priorities. And there's a lot of wisdom behind these quotes uh, from various people. Some are unknown. Those I'll call their names. I don't know who they are. I don't endorse these people. It's just the fact that they're the ones that get credit for, for just making this little saying about priorities. And there's a lot of wisdom there. And uh, this is an unknown author. And he says this, you won't change until changing becomes one of your priorities instead of one of your options. Boy, that's a, there's a lot of wisdom right there. There's a lot of truth. Uh, then this other quote from uh, Robert McCain, it says, Set priorities for your goals. A major part of successful living lies in the ability to put first things first. Indeed, the reason most major goals are not achieved is that we spend our time doing second things first. You ever caught yourself doing that? 
I, I mean, not, not putting the main thing, the main thing, and I'll say something about that in a, in a little while, but it's so easy to do, to get, out, get our life out of priority. Uh, Aspesh, and like I said, I don't know these people. I'm just giving them credit for, for saying these things. It says the first step to success is knowing your priorities. And again, there's just a lot of wisdom in these sayings, and this is an unknown one right here. It says, want to be successful? Change your priorities. Well, that's a good one. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy says, your decisions reveal your priorities. And boy, how true that is. I'm going to tell you, because we do what we want to do. We all do. Everybody here, we do what we want to do. And he said, your decisions reveal your priorities. If it's a priority, you'll find a way. If it isn't, you'll find an excuse, <laughs> Jim Ron. Having priorities is just simply putting things in order of importance. I've heard preachers say this, you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Because if not careful, you'll start uh, minoring on the majors and majoring on the minors, and then you'll be out of whack. You know, Jesus wrote to the church at Ephesus because their priorities were not in order. They were doing a lot of good things. I mean, he commended them for a lot of good things, but they had moved away from their number one priority, and that priority was to love Jesus. When a person gets saved, their priorities should change. Why? Because they're no longer living for themselves. What, what used to be number one should not be number one no more. Number one, you know who that is? That's us. Number one should be the Lord. And what he wants and what he desires should be our top priority. But unfortunately... That doesn't always happen in the life of a Christian, or it does happen for a time, but then through the busyness of life, other things become our priority, just like with the church of Ephesus. And why does God not just make us put him first? He simply desires that we do that, that we make him our priority. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives his testimony of how things changed when he got saved. And, and what used to be high on his list to do was no longer important. Well, I wonder how many Christians could honestly say what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. <laughs> That's my priority. You see, Paul was all in. You know, I wonder how many Christians are all in. You know, for years after my wife and I got married, we went to church. I mean, we were faithful. We were there. But we weren't all in. We did it because it was right, but we weren't all in. Now, we were all in wanting everything else in life. Anything else we set our hearts on, cars, houses, jobs, toys, travel, you know, but what God wanted at that point in time in our life just was not a priority, but thank God for the day that all that changed. 
all those temporal priorities that we had never brought us any lasting satisfaction or gain. And I thank God for the day that I went to an old-fashioned altar and, and just told God, I said, God, it's no longer about me. It's all about you. Lord, I give you my wants, my desires. I give you my family, my finances. Lord, everything I have, it belongs to you. Lord, just use me. And, and like Paul, I can say everything I counted as gain, I now counted it as loss for Christ. And it's amazing. The things that, that, that I used to crave and have top priority in my life, I never missed them. I still don't miss them. Why? Because God replaced those priorities that did not satisfy with some priorities that satisfied our every desire. This is what happened. God's desires became more important to me than my own. You see, that's what presenting your body a living sacrifice means. It's not what I think. It's not what I want that matters. It's what God wants. And that's everything to me. That's, that's just laying it out there. Say, Lord, it's all about you. When does a Christian seem to get in the most trouble with the Lord? <laughs> it's when we elevate our priorities over God's priorities. Let's read what, what Paul is telling the Philippians here in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ." And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. 
And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. An ensample. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Boy, when I get through reading a passage like that, a hymn uh, comes to my mind, higher ground. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is is higher ground. I don't want to stay where I am in my walk with the Lord. I don't want to never get comfortable in my walk with God. I should always be aiming to get closer to Him. You know, that'd be like a child saying, I just want to stay one years old forever. Every child has a desire to grow. Now that's not saying that some adults don't act like children. Now we understand that. But as a child of God, our aim ought to be higher planes and higher ground. And we achieve that by setting some godly priorities in our life. In verse 1 he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. What's he doing? He's reminding them of things they had already heard. We need to be reminded what God has for us, what God wants for us. He said, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it's safe. It's safe for you that I speak on subjects like this and on setting godly priorities in our life because there may be some of you who've never done that. You, you may have never set any godly priorities. You may say, what, what kind of, what are you talking about godly priorities? <laughs> I, you know, I, I get up and I go to work and I come back home and man, I, whew, you know, I don't know. But God wants us to have some godly priorities in our life as well, not just our responsibilities. And down through verse 11, Paul gives us his testimony. Before he got saved, he mentioned that he had certain priorities. But when he got saved, he said that all those things, all those priorities became dung. You see, he was no longer trying to earn his way to heaven or trusting in his religion. Now he was solely trusting in Christ's finished work for him on Calvary. All those good works and religious duties no longer had an appeal to the Apostle Paul. Now all he wanted to do is tell others about what Christ did for him. I mean, think about the difference there. He used to imprison and put people to death. <laughs> Get them stoned with Stephen's case there. He held the coats for everybody else, put his stamp of approval on what they were doing. Boy, my, things have changed. 
in verse 12 through 14, we get a reminder for us to make sure that we're setting godly priorities in our life. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, Not as though I had already attained, even were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul's first priority right here was that he was going to forget those things which are behind. If anybody had any cause to be discouraged by their previous lifestyle, their previous beliefs, I promise you it was the Apostle Paul. He did much harm to the cause of Christ. All those years wasted searching and seeking for things that didn't amount to nothing. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful say and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He didn't see himself that way before he got saved. Now he, he thought he was a good person. But then he realized how sorry he was and he needed a Savior too. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, look at the mercy that God showed Paul. Do you think that God can show us the same mercy? Of course. Well, look at King David. He made a mess of his life, but God still used him. Well, look at Peter. Always putting his foot in his mouth, uh, struggling to be one way with this crowd, another way with another crowd, but God still used him. And, and, and let's just face it, before we got saved, we were all a mess. But thank God for the grace of God because that same grace that saved us, that same grace taught us some things as well. But here's the key. We shouldn't be the same as when we first got saved. I've been saved, uh, whew, my goodness, a long time, over 40 years. I ought to be different than when it was when I got saved back then. There ought to be a difference those things that used to catch my eye should not have the same appeal as they did before. Living for God and walking with God should be the top priority. 
anybody that makes a profession of faith in Christ, but yet they don't want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, or they have no desire for the Word of God, or, or the fellowship with God's people, and their only desire is the same things that they were into before, then I doubt very seriously that they're saved. If somebody says they're saved, but there's no growth, there's no change. There's no desire to press upward. There's no desire to gain higher ground. There's no desire for spiritual food. No forgetting the things which are behind. No reaching forth to those things that are before. No setting no new priorities in their life that I doubt very seriously they've ever been born again. Or at the bare minimum, they've chosen not to grow and they've chosen to not develop any taste for the things of God. They don't even desire the sincere milk of the word. That doing their reasonable service doesn't even appeal to them. They refuse to let God change them and give them a new appetite. And those folks will never go any further with God. They'll be miserable the rest of their life. Paul's first priority was to forget those things which are behind. The only way to forget those things which are behind is to replace them with new priorities. Because the second thing that we see that Paul did, he reached toward these new priorities that he had. Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. This is after he got saved, okay? After Paul got saved, what did he do? He didn't go back to doing the same things he was doing before. You see, there's been a change in his life. And straightway, the Bible says, no detour, no taking two or three or four years to, you know, to figure out what it is. No, no, and straightway. He preached Christ in the synagogues, Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength. You see, he didn't stay the same. Paul saw increase the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Back in verse 6 here of Acts chapter 9, Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You, you, you understand, it, it, at this point it, he realized, man, things are about to change here. There's no time to waste. The Bible says in verse 20, straightway, he started preaching Christ, that he is the Son of God, the one that he used to say wasn't. Now he said he is the Son of God, and he used the Old Testament scriptures and would prove that to people. What happened? Everyone that used to know Paul were amazed. And of course, Saul, and they said... Is that the same Saul? Well, he sure has changed. Well, what's changed about him? His speech, the things that he talks about. Well, his actions have changed. 
Boy, his direction has changed. The, the lost religious crowd and the Christians could tell a difference in Saul. In verse 22, he increased the more in strength. When someone's been saved for a period of time and there's no evident change or growth or increase in their life, then there's obviously something wrong. And it's very possible they just have the wrong priorities. They've allowed the cares and the desires of this world to entangle them. Go back with me to 2 Timothy. Or 2 2 Timothy it was in 1 Timothy early. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who he hath chosen to be a soldier. That word entangleth means this. It means to twist or interweave in such a manner as not to be easily separated, to make confused or disordered. You see, when a, when a Christian family, I'll use this as an illustration, and I've seen this happen many times, a Christian family will allow their children to be involved in extracurricular activities with the school or with sports or anything else, and then those activities will require that child to miss church. That's a clear definition of entangling ourselves with the affairs of this world. And all that's doing is letting that child know that under certain circumstances, certain instances, it's okay. It's okay to put what the Bible says and what Jesus wants to the side. Priorities. We're talking about priorities. What do we make a priority? Should it be sports or extracurricular activity or should it be the Lord? What should it be? You see, they're more concerned with pleasing a child or even their own desires. How many parents have pushed kids to do stuff like that? Kid has no desire, but the parents push them. Why? Because their priorities ain't right. And they put their own wants above the Lord. Same thing for adults. If someone tells me they can go golf two or three or four times a week or any other type of sport and only show up to church for one hour on Sunday and that's only, you know, not every Sunday, but, you know, then I'll show you a person who has allowed themselves to be entangled with the affairs of this life. And their priorities, their godly priorities are not in order. Christ does not have the preeminence in their life, and it's obvious to everyone. They'll dedicate themselves to their hobbies, even pay for the equipment to do these hobbies and purchase the right type of attire and, and, and shoes even and things like that for their, their hobby and practice, set time aside to practice and set time aside for all these things, but they won't do the same for the Lord. Again, it just comes back to having the right priorities in our life. Does Christ have the preeminence in all things? For to me to live is Christ, Paul said. You know, in heaven, we're not going to be talking about our scores or, or how well we did on the golf course or, or how many fish did we catch or how many strikes did we bowl. 
you're not going to be talking about that in heaven at all. How many trophies you accumulated in this life. Could you imagine standing beside Paul or John the Baptist or Stephen or Peter or Moses or Daniel? I mean, think about it. You're standing beside of them and they look at you and they say, what would you do for the Lord? <laughs> huh? Well, you know, I showed up to church once a week. I, you know, and I probably missed four or five a year. And then, you know, I played golf, though, two or three times, or I did this, did that, you know, and, and I even had a great time. One time I shot a 71. <laughs> I even thanked Jesus for helping me do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think any of them would be impressed. Let alone I don't think Jesus is impressed. You know, we watch ball games and the quarterback or the star of the game will, for a brief second at the end of the game, and that's, that's only if they win, by the way. They'll thank their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, that, that, that helped them win. And, and they'll give God just a, a little bit of credit for that. But then, but then get this, they won't go to church on Sunday. Now, they'll say it on the ball field for just a few seconds, but then they won't show up to church on Sunday. There's something wrong. They're not giving a testimony at church on Sunday how God helped them. You know, they're not telling others how to be saved. They're not, they're not living a holy and separated life. Matter of fact... In just a few minutes after that interview, they're going to be cursing and laughing and laughing at others that are saying filthy things in the locker room. Now look, there's nothing wrong with having some hobbies, some distractions. We all have them. If they're in the right order. If they're in the right priority. In James 4.17 it says, Therefore him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. If a job or hobbies or a relationship or a friendship or a wrong priority hinders us from making what God wants the number one thing to be in our life, then those things become a sin in our life. I could tell story after story of people who wanted a relationship so bad. They wanted a boyfriend or a girlfriend so bad. They wanted to be married so bad that they forfeited God's will and God's best for them. Now, there ain't nothing wrong to want to be married. Now, take me wrong now. But you can marry the wrong person. I, I, I could tell you story after story of Christians who wanted a job or a career above making Jesus and what he wanted, their priority in their life. And they wound up making a mess of their life. And now they live with many regrets. And not just them, but all those that were in their area of influence that sit there and watch this take place. I've seen families torn apart. Because what God wanted and what the Bible said was not made a priority in their life. 
Demas' priorities changed. <laughs> he loved this present world. He no longer loved God, but he loved this present world. Well, let, let me go back to these secular quotes a little bit. You won't change until changing one of your until changing becomes one of your priorities instead of one of your options. Think about it. A major part of successful living lies in the ability to put things first. Indeed, the reason most major goals are not achieved is that we spend our time doing second things first. The first step to success is knowing your priorities. You want to be successful? Change your priorities. You want to be pleasing unto the Lord? Change your priorities. You want to live for God? Change your priorities. Paul did. Your decisions reveal your priority. What's important to you? You know, if it's a priority, you'll find a way to do it. And if it isn't, you'll find an excuse. Well, how many times do we hear excuses, lies, why people won't come to church? Or they're not faithful to church. <laughs> it's because it's not a priority for them. Having priorities is simply putting things in their proper order of importance. It's sad when lost people, think about it, and the world recognize the value of setting priorities in this life. But yet the child of God struggles putting God first in his life. It's not too late to set some godly priorities in our life. Maybe your priorities are out of whack right now. Now's a good time to get them right. It's the beginning of a new year. And by the way, Jesus is coming again. And we're going to meet him with our priorities. And he's going to talk to us about what we chose to put before him. When he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, he meant that. If you've got any misguided priorities, then it's time to set them in order. Maybe it's time to take a good inventory and make sure that Jesus is okay with our priorities. Do they line up with the Bible?